Just this pre- so, pre-talk so, is too good. Yeah. Did you see that I did an outtake? On, no. Because we did, what were we talking about on one of the other episodes? We were talking about something. And so I just trimmed that first 10 minutes off yeah. and then just put it as outtake one. And oh, so I cool. figured we could keep doing that and just oh, our yeah. little conversations at the beginning, yeah. just do an outtake. I love it. So anyway, but just with the, so we're dig like with Trump, we were having to dig, you know, like there's all of these investigations and conspiracies that he's colluding and all of this stuff and dig, dig, dig. It's not how evil works it's very apparent and on the surface so over the last year okay what's happened we've left military places very abruptly and Mm. left a lot of equipment for a lot of bad people yeah we have cut off our energy independence we have which has caused energy to skyrocket which benefits who mostly in the world the rich Russia, uh, Russia. <laughs> well, yeah, and that. Yeah. So, so we've we've crippled our military. Yeah. You know, like I don't even know how many. I was going to look up how many pieces of equipment were left in Afghanistan, but it's probably a lot. I know it's a lot. Like I heard that ISIS now has more Black Hawk helicopters than it was some countries, um, some of our allies. Maybe that was just rumor or whatever or speculation but um so okay we we cripple our military to some extent yeah. and leave a region we cut off our energy independence which in turn makes energy skyrocket and benefits russia yeah then ukraine happens well you're gonna need like you have the financial ability to do it now because your energy prices are high for Russia to to sell their oil to fund a war. Like, you know, yeah. like it's like okay, we when 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 <laughs> evil triumphs, you don't have to like go and look for all the pieces to pick up. The pieces are pretty apparent. Like yeah. a lot of times that stuff is done right out in the face of everybody. Yeah. But they try to, like, point fingers yeah, other places. it's just there. It's apparent. Okay, I knew they had left billions of dollars over there. I had no idea yeah. Yeah, how crazy. much. I mean, that's a lot of money. 3,000 Humvees that are equipped with 50 cows on the top or, you know, or the equivalent. Yeah. Uh, 32 MI-17 uh, transport and gunship helicopters. 43 MD-53, which is a light helicopter. 33 Blackhawks. Okay, so it wasn't as many Blackhawks as I but, thought. But still, but still I mean, 33 yeah, Blackhawks. Think, like, you equip a, mil- a small military with that. Um, uh, over 1,000 grenade launchers, 73, it says machine guns, but, you know, 73, um, I'm sure they're, you know, like the M1s or whatever. And I would bet. M- uh, dude, I don't know. I would bet those are. <laughs> it's not M1s. That's like 2000. That's <laughs> World War II. People are like, this guy's a freaking idiot. <laughs> like M14s or something? Yeah, that. Um, C-130s. They left three C-130s there. And that's what's being reported. Yeah, okay, that's very true. Well, with a C-130, they could have uh, put in all the grenade launchers, all the machine guns, (laughs) all their grenades. They could have just taken one of those home and put a few Humvees in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it just, just the dots. I'm like, okay, 
what would be the best case scenario for Russia to be able to start a war? Well, money to fund it, which I know they already probably have. You know, I mean, they, yeah. they're a huge country. They have resources and anything, everything anyway. But the number one thing that helps Russia or hurts Russia is energy prices because their, yeah. their economy is very energy or dependent on energy prices. Yeah. Low prices, and it's a killer for them. High prices... And that's just makes their their economy thrive. Yeah. So, interestingly, isn't that pipeline coming out of Ukraine? I don't. And that's the thing. I don't know. I don't. I don't even dare say too much about it because yeah. Because I don't even know. I don't know that much about the politics over there and everything else. But I'm just going from the United States poor leadership. Yeah. Perspective and the corruption that we all think is going on in our government. Yeah. Like. Looking over the past year, there's so many chips that have fallen that you go, well, that helped out, and yeah. that helped out, and yeah, that helped was, out, and we're asking, planned. and we're asking if Trump is the one that's colluding with Russia, like he's the one that took a hard stance towards all these people. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. It is. Now, this is what I think, but so this could be this could be very wrong. Um, we were, this is right. We were energy independent under Trump. Yep. As soon as Biden got into office, he shut down the pipelines, and I believe he signed an executive order that had something to do with the pipeline in Ukraine. So if Russia wants <clears throat> independence, now they're not a, a – now I say independent. I'm talking energy yeah. independence. Yeah. Um, they are not part of OPEC, so – they're not part of any of that. They're not part of NATO, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Ukraine. I think the Ukraine and Russia are not part of NATO. No. So they're about to take over a pipeline that's going to give them all the energy that they ever want. And ener- in c- countries that have that energy, they're the ones who become superpowers. We mm-hmm. became a superpower mm-hmm. because we had that. And yeah, we had we the had innovation and we had all of that. Mm-hmm. We're going to take that away. They've also, and I guess to tie this into you know cash calf and why we would even be talking about this, Russia's heavily invested in silver and gold. Yeah, they've been buying it in the droves. Now, so is China. We just don't know how much China has been buying because they don't say it. And Russia, we probably don't. You know, if they say we bought five billion in gold, they probably bought twenty billion in gold. Yeah. So and they it, and they mine some domestically too, which those numbers are yeah. never reported on. Oh, what, very what true. The, what the domestic production is? Yeah, they want nothing to do with the dollar. Mm-hmm. So, so neither do I. Actually, <laughs> I I would love love to see a free market uh, currency take over and and do its thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I would love that to be gold. We'll see. You know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but people can use this. So here's just what I've been doing the last three weeks. I'm, I'm betting against tech companies hard. Um, also betting against, uh, vaccine companies. So, you know, the two big ones, mm-hmm. um, betting for oil and for Trump's, uh, social media platform. Oh yeah. So when I say big tech, he, that might become big tech, <laughs> but options. Yeah. I've been just options trading all that. Anything that has to do with the dollar, just bet against it. Anything that um, has to do with free speech, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> uh, with, with Trump's thing, just been betting for it and uh, betting for oil, and hmm. it's been good. Yeah, that's cool. 
So. Yeah, it's, it's it's so interesting with the oil thing, like in the dollar, like you're saying, because there's the petrodollar, right? Which yeah. back in the day, which all of these things are so wild to think about. If if they can pull these kinds of things off, then they can do anything. And, yeah. and they could pull it off back in the day when there wasn't the technology that we have now. So how much collusion and stuff could be happening now with the technology that we have? Absolutely. But the petrodollar basically... Um, the United States, and I don't even know exactly when it started, back in probably like the 20s, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. I don't know, maybe not. Was it after World War One? Well, there's a graph that's starting in the 70s, which would make sense because oh, that's when they came off the gold standard. Okay, yeah. So, so basically the United States went to like the Saudi Arabia and some of these OPEC nations and said, yep. hey, you can't sell any oil. You have to peg the price of oil to dollars and not sell oil in anything but u.s dollars yeah like you think about that that's an incredible amount of power for the person that's creating the dollars so say russia or china wants to buy oil they have to do it in the dollar. they have to do it in the dollar like it's an artificial demand for dollars and so i mean you think about the leaders of those countries and being being so crippled by that yeah because say you want to trade even even with like even if you're not dealing with the united states russia wants to sell oil to china yeah well we threaten sanctions against them if they do it in something other than the dollar yeah you know and so so why wouldn't you i mean it makes so much sense why wouldn't you try to get off of that standard yeah i try to get off that standard i don't i don't hold cash yeah you know i hold assets and so, you know, yeah. it's 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 something that's like very when you dive into it and you think about it, the history of it and stuff. It's like, well, of course they're gonna try to. So Russia, I think, has actually been trying to come up with a a way around that. Um, you know, like a whatever. You know, China's doing their digital currency. Um, I think Russia's been trying to do some of the s- similar kinds of things or. You well, we're working with using gold somehow to, to you know, set up some, some trading things and stuff to get around the dollar. Russia is. Yeah, I think they, I can't. So, or maybe that's the speculation why they've been buying so much gold is yeah. so that they can have that to use well, instead of a dollar or something. I don't it's know. It's kind of crappy to sit back too and be like, oh, yeah, we should be doing that. You yeah. know, you're watching this dictator country do it. Um, but people do need to know there is a very, very large difference between digital currencies and cryptocurrencies. Because people right now, a lot of people are equating it the same. They hear digital currency, they think cryptocurrency, but it's very different. You know, Bitcoin, uh, Cardano, Ethereum, those are blockchain based. So you Mm -hmm. can transfer to me and it's on the blockchain. It's very transparent and uh, fixed supply. A digital dollar or a digital yen or a digital Russia, whatever they want to do, doesn't necessarily mean blockchain. It means it's just digital, kind of like our dollar already. Yeah, yes, we, we, are, have, we already have a digital yeah, currency. We have cash, but I, I don't know what the number is, but we have very little actual physical cash compared to what we have digitally. Mm-hmm. And when the Federal Reserve uh, prints money, quote, prints money for the, the Treasury, they're just typing zeros into the computer and hitting enter. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of that exists, and we never have inflation. It's really interesting. You add to the supply, and no, I'm just... Yeah. yeah, just messing because inflation's nuts. Yeah, it is nuts right now. It is so, and you know, not to just bring this into all sadness and stuff, but 
Um, talking to someone today who their brother works for a major uh, wholesaler, they can't buy product. Mm-hmm. They're like, we've got it on the shelves now. We won't after it's off the shelves. Yeah. We're in a weird place. Well, that's, I've been, you know, working on some projects and buying pipe yeah. and electrical wire. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's the price is over the last year for PVC type stuff. I mean, it's three to four times what it used to be, you know. And, yeah, and that's inflation. And like, yeah. Well, it, it's interesting, too, to think about. So, you know, with the Russia thing or whatever, say say in the past they've had to use dollars to buy oil or whatever. Yeah. So they've had to hold some dollars. Like it's yeah. forced them to hold them. Well, those dollars are out there. Say that they do come up with a system where – they all of a sudden, you know, we force some sanctions on them because they're invading Ukraine or whatever, and they say, "Fine, we're not going to use dollars anymore. We're gonna, we're gonna start trading gold for oil or whatever." Yeah. What are they going to do with those dollars? <laughs> they're going to dump them. They're going to dump them. And when and when something's dumped like that, what mm-hmm. happens to its value? And then yeah, and then it's just uh, then it's just kind of a a whole uh, a whole. You know, it's a slippery yeah. slope. Yeah, like, I think we're living in the last. Countries, other countries look at that and go, oh, well, if they can do it, then we can do it. Absolutely. And we're, we're probably living in the last days of the dollar. Yeah, I think so, probably. With uh, and, you, and, and it's getting attacked on two sides. It's getting attacked because the Federal Reserve is printing an unlimited amount anyway. Plus, you have more of those from other countries yeah. coming into circulation too, possibly, you know, coming back to the United States. You know, we've been we've been the beneficiaries of it for a long time because we've sent worthless paper over to other countries and they've sent us refrigerators and yep. gold and oil and all this stuff. Well, once the cat out is out of the bag that those are worthless, they're all they ain't going to send us their stuff anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? for sure. They're going to want that silver. They're going to want that gold. Mm-hmm. And you know, right now, an ounce of silver is twenty three bucks. Maybe you buy some because yeah. you know it's like, well, how how could uh, buying $1,000 worth of silver, how could it, you know, help me in the future? Well, that $1,000, that that actually might be really, I might buy a house in the future. Yeah. You know, when you're actually talking hard assets, silver, gold, I believe cryptocurrencies, real estate, those real things. And people are like, wait, cryptocurrency is not real. Uh, it, in my mind, it's real. Mm-hmm. And that's actually part of what makes it valuable. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it's real, and in millions of other people's minds, it's real. And fixed supply, blockchain, mm-hmm. transparent transactions, all of that. And then something even further is uh, privacy coins. People are tired of mm, large – people are tired of governments being in their crap. Mm-hmm. So privacy mm-hmm. coins keep us out of that. Monero and Zcash. Mm-hmm. You and I can transact. It's like, hey, you bought me a soda with the dollar, and I'm going to pay you back in – Monero, and they're like, "Well, what was this dollar and fifty cent transaction? Like that nefarious transaction that he paid me back in a soda?" But that kind of stuff, I think the value is going to go way up. Yeah. And so, if you got some extra money, my advice, which is not financial advice, this is all like you know, just my opinion um, and comedy. <laughs> it's um, take that extra money and put it in silver, gold, and start a business. Yeah. Get ahead of all this stuff. We're not too late. Um, this kind of stuff is going to happen, and it's happened forever. It's history, it's present, and it's future. This stuff's going to happen. We just need to be aware of the current events 
and then we need to shift and transfer. I had never sold or I had never bought put options uh, in the past um, just because everything was going up. Mm. Well, now I look at it and I go, well, everything's kind of going down and we know it is. So my strategy has been look for companies that just went way up like 50%. But if everything is going down, but they went up 50%, and then I, w- I want to look into the company, like, what are they? Because if they're a good company, I don't want to bet against them. Mm-hmm. If they're not, in my mind, a good company, yeah, they went up 50%, buy some options. But, you know, get ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Start a business, buy some silver, buy some gold, buy some yeah. cryptocurrency. Educate yourself. Yeah. You know, I think that's, and I, though, you know, like traditionally looking at gold, um, and this kind of brings us right into cash calf and what we're trying to help people and spread the word about here. But, you know, gold and silver and some of those things really keep up with inflation. Yeah. Um, you know, so like your thousand dollars example, a thousand, you know, you, you invest a thousand dollars today. Well, if you would have had a thousand dollars in the U.S. dollar, you know, just in your savings account, 10 years from now, it would probably buy nothing, you know, yeah. a fraction of what. Yeah, it would today. If you put it in silver or gold or something, historically, it's kept up with inflation. You know, so a thousand dollars of value today, it's going to buy that equivalent amount of value, not a thousand dollars worth, but what those goods and services would yeah. would be in the future. Um, yeah. So that's a good thing to do. And, and I like to do that, too, you know, and, and hold assets that will keep up with inflation. The way we get ahead is, to me, to me the way that I kind of look at it is by um, starting a business. Yeah. Because we have ways that we can add value to things that way outpace inflation um, and keep up with inflation, too, because yeah. the goods and services that we're selling get to keep up with inflation. Um, but then we get to add our own creativity and our own time and our own um, talent to it that makes it way more valuable than even inflation, you know, because that's ultimately, that's the goal is to surpass inflation so that we can raise our standard of living, um, you know, by by growing a business and whatever. And you look at a lot of jobs, you know, talking about inflation, they're not keeping up. They're not even doing what gold and silver are doing. They're not even keeping up. And they can't. Yeah. That's That's the hard part. That's the scary part. And so it's kind of, you know, to me, and it's not. This isn't all jobs. We aren't. We aren't bagging on all jobs. No, not at all. But for the majority of jobs, those cost of living expenses are not keeping up with inflation. So you're actually losing the battle. Yeah. With gold and silver and and assets that are keeping track with inflation, you know, you're at least staying even. Yeah. Starting a business and doing the, and it. I say starting a business, but that could be progressing in a job as well or a career as well, you know, getting more education, um, getting more responsibility and that kind of stuff that can do that can outpace inflation too. But, you know, starting a business, growing a business, then we're on the winning side of it. Yeah. You know, and and I think that that's important. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a really large business. You know, those little side hustles, they, they add up, you know, those, uh, teenage kids that have Instagram accounts with 10,000 followers and they're doing two posts a week and making an extra five grand a year and they're a teenager. Yeah. That's big if you know the right places to put it. You know, if you go spend it on the newest, latest, greatest iPhone or whatever, 
but you could have taken that thousand dollars and invested it in something it, it ends up really big um, I wanted to just um, say for that example the example that you had about inflation just to kind of conceptualize it in people's minds um, an ounce of gold in like the Roman times would buy someone and I don't remember where I heard this but um, would buy like a nice tunic mm-hmm. and clothing and um, like your base layer and your tunic and your sandals. Today, an ounce of gold, which would be almost $2,000, would buy you a really nice suit hmm. and shoes and a tie and all of that. So when you look at just the what the gold value was then versus now, it's the same, just like you were saying. But if you were to put like a dollar value on it, well, obviously the dollar didn't even exist. Now go back to when you could buy one cent candies. Yeah, There's no such thing anymore. You don't go buy one cent candies anymore or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, your grandparents' house cost them 30000 bucks, and they built it brand new. Yeah. Today, 30000 that's hilarious. That's what, you're, yeah. that's, what, that's what your heating and air conditioning is going to cost you. Right. So I've heard that example, too, with a Colt Peacemaker. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like back, I think, like back in the whenever you could buy one for like 20 bucks and that's about what a what a what an ounce of gold was yeah and now they're you know 1500 or 1800 or something like that yeah R- right in line kind of with a with an ounce of gold give or take so it's kind of cool which that is which cool. makes me kind of go hmm I want to start collecting gold oh no. you know what I mean I, I you know what there's something about collectibles yeah. um I love silver and gold I love every month just getting uh, getting the the I do the gold and silver subscription. Yeah. Um, I love getting it, but we've got a buddy who is into collectible coins. Their values are they raise much, much quicker than the actual silver itself. My kid's into Pokemon right now. I think we've talked yeah. about that. Yeah. Um <laughs> the kid, he's he comes home yesterday, he's like, I made twenty bucks on my Pokemon cards today. <laughs> he's at school, like, you know, trading Pokemon cards and he even sent me a coin today. It was a uh who whatever president it was from in 18 1817 1809 to 1817 1812 anyways whatever president that was some coin he's like what do you think this is worth <laughs> like oh my goodness we learned a dealer i know um but collectibles so that coin that he sent me that's a collectible i looked it up online it's only worth five bucks um, but I'm like, dude, that's pretty but sweet. But still, back in the day, yeah. it was probably five cents. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And and if you can trade a Pokemon card for it that's worth 15 cents, and it, you know, mm-hmm. there's value transfer there. That kid wants a Pokemon card, and he wants a collectible coin. Yeah. Um, there's there's all this stuff. It's these collectibles can be really b- older guns, knives. You know, yeah. we've got that. Um, there's a knife over there uh, by that. Oh yeah. Coyote deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a trapper's knife. Hmm. Um, you know. If you found that laying out somewhere, it's like, well, this is worthless. Well, that's worth $45 just, you know, because yeah. it was it was actually used by a, a trapper here in this area yeah. like, back in the day. Uh, it's just funny. Like, things that don't seem like they'd have any value, the value's going way up because scarcity. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, the cool thing about that is diversify. Yes. You know, diversify. Buy some gold and silver. Buy some crypto. Find some antiques that you're really into and yeah. you want to learn about. And like I have uh, that Gregory Manorino that yeah. I, you know, is on YouTube. I listen to him from time to time. He collects antique musical instruments, I think. Interesting. And he actually refers to it as a, um, as a diversification in his investments. 
So mm. the cool thing about that is you're getting some joy yeah. and, and pleasure out of owning those things because you're into it. Yep. But there's also some monetary and investment value there too. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. That is cool. And you know, and you look at highly, highly, I'm thinking like the rich, rich, you know, they're buying Picassos and yeah. and sports, like yeah. exotic cars. Yeah. Even, even that, that Kevin O'Leary guy, he's big into watches. Oh yeah. Like there's a huge watch market. You know, if he owns a watch that there's only three of them that exist and it's worth $20 million or whatever, you know, things that we'd be like, I can't buy a $20 million watch. Well, that's an investment for him. Can we buy a $20 million property? Well, we could figure out how to find the money mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. Well, he figured out how to find the money for a $20 million watch and his watch might actually go up more in value than the property. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's cool. So, so many ways to make money. So this, um, um, this actually reminds me exactly of the story that I was we were kind of going to talk about today. Yeah. So um, it's about that Jocko podcast, and he one of the things when you were just when we were talking about that one of the things that he talks about really quick. Part with who her, is it? So it's I was going to look up the number too. So the guy's name is Eli Crane. I think I think that's right. Um, he's an ex Navy SEAL, and uh, it is Jocko three twenty. Okay. Counterattack the problems. Something. Anyway, around you and solve them. Okay. So uh, problems around you and solve them. Yeah. Counteract the problems oh, around you. Counteract. Okay. So, um, but one thing that he says in there, and this is kind of in the middle, but he, he, he gives an example of reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And part of the, the thing that really stood out to him in that book was that the rich teach their kids to buy assets yeah. and the, the poor teach their kids to buy liabilities. So just like that, you know, instead of buying, you know, maybe a really cool toy, you buy some Bitcoin or yeah. you buy a gold coin or something like that. Something that's not easily spent and something that can be, um, you know, saved for later or whatever and go up in value in the meantime. But um, so this story, so I loved it. I've, I've listened to it twice because I feel like it's the epitome of entrepreneurship and kind of the, the ups and downs on the roller coaster that entrepreneurship is. And kind of he even talks about some of the emotions in there of, you know, what he's feeling at the time and, and that kind of thing. But basically kind of his background and everybody go listen to it. If you want to listen to, so all of it's good. I think it's about three hours long, but the, the business part of it starts at like an hour 30 in and uh it's really good but uh so he's he's a navy seal you know and actually kind of describes himself as not really being that accomplished you know mediocre in school and that kind of stuff um and just didn't really have any direction in life or anything like that and decided after 9-11 that he wanted to go and be a navy seal did that but in the meantime through that process failed a whole bunch and, you know, it seems like we think about some of those guys and they just, you know, rocket and they just blaze right through, yeah. you know, SEAL training or whatever. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, they're just studs. Well, this guy's a little bit different. He's like, I failed. I failed entrance exams or whatever it was along the way, but just persisted through that. Yeah. And uh, ended up going through, you know, into the SEAL teams went to Iraq, I think it was, um, and not to not to blaze over his his military stuff because yeah. I mean it's awesome service and we appreciate that. But 
he but his business stuff was just so good but so he's in the seal teams and and had decides he needs that's not the lifestyle he wants for his family he had a couple of kids and and uh wanted to you know eventually be out and figure out how he was going to make ends meet afterwards yeah and so he has this idea come to him that is like he he had been given a it's like a dummy 50 caliber round that had been turned into a bottle opener and he's like i could make that so much cooler and uh so he ends up like he tells this whole story and it's so great because um like he he uh he had one, you know, that was like generic. He'd got it, it, somebody had given it to him as a gift, but he's like um, trying to to recreate it, you know, whatever, and messing around with it. And he's talking about how he's in his garage, just uh, messing around with a Dremel tool and trying to cut these things, you know. And I'm just envisioning this because I've done the same thing in a lot of businesses, yeah, you know, and and um, found a way to sell them on on Etsy. And started selling these things, and he's like, he's like, it was the dumbest thing. Like he just, he totally admits that. Like when people would ask me, "What are you gonna do when you get out of the military?" and he's like, "I'm gonna sell bottle openers." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's know? awesome. You know, and I, I feel like I'm that way with every business idea that I have. I don't oh, know yeah. about you. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like, yeah, we're going to do the, you know, we're going to do this thing. And people are just like, okay, sure you are. What the freak are you talking about? You know? And so anyway, so he, he ends up doing it. And he said the first ones just looked like crap, you know, and, and, but they were still wildly popular. And so he's selling all of these things. And I thought about that too. Like when people hear, I think when people think about starting a business or owning a business the problem is is we look at people that have been in business for a long time yeah and they're very dialed but we don't see the 10 years earlier or the five years earlier when it was just a crapshoot yeah those overnight successes took 15 years yeah yeah and so you know and i think about that a lot with even the businesses we're doing is just i'm like man i'm not organized or you know that person over there looks like they're doing this so much better and really we're we have no idea of knowing exactly and behind the scenes it probably looks like a crapshoot anyway yeah you know even even the businesses that look like they're put together and successful yeah um you know so i think i think a lot of times people look at that and are afraid of that because they don't think that they're all put together at the beginning yeah. And the the moral is you don't have to be. I know it's it's actually interesting when, you know, we'll get managers or kind of newer newer employees and they're they're like, "Okay, so um wh- like where is it written? Like what do I do?" I'm like, "Well, you know, all the basics are written down. But if there's a problem, that's up to you." Mm-hmm. you like part of your job now is to solve that. And it, it's a small business because, you know, we're we're pretty small in relation to other places. Well, they now get to figure all that out. And that's actually really weird for people because they're like, well, but I worked at Applebee's and everything was written down, like all my procedures. I'm like, oh, you're helping create that right now because we don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. It's it's exciting. So he, he started in on the Dremels. Oh, by yeah. the way, those are collectibles now. Oh, I'm sure. Can you imagine getting one? So he said that because Jocko was like, 
because what he would do is he would cut it out and then he eventually figured out that he could make like a kind of a jig oh nice and so he wasn't freehanding them or like outlining them with a marker he had a jig that he could trace real quick so he i love that too because over time he he it started out real crude and then he started perfecting his system yeah you know and he said well when i began i it was taking me like 25 minutes even to just draw the lines on the thing and cut it out well then he got it down to where he could do it even quicker you know that's awesome and so but he talks about that how he you know and the first ones were just spray painted and then he would slap a sticker on them and that was it and jocko's like i want one of those ones yeah. that's got all the jagged cuts in them Absolutely. and everything you know yep and uh and so it yeah it's real cool like he the whole story he you know they continually um improve their process but um like he's just over and over like he's just way humble about it yeah like over and over again he's just like i had no idea like i had no clue what was going on or you know how to do it i just kept solving the problems moving forward and he even talks about faith and that he had no idea how he was going to provide for his family when he got out of the military yeah you know so he was just there was that element of faith and just saying hey god help me figure out what it would do and yeah. so they're like you're gonna sell bottle openers beer bottle openers <laughs> he's like wait what <laughs> yeah. did i ask the right person <laughs> um but just you know and and i felt that all along i yeah. still do that element of faith you know i mean who knows if my business is going to be successful tomorrow yeah you know there's just that element of faith that you got to kind of move forward and figure it out yeah. and and it's really hard in the beginning because you got to move forward and figure it out, starting from zero a lot of times. Absolutely. You know. Well, something important to know here and with what, what we're talking about, when we say, you know, we feel unorganized and maybe that other person is more organized, but then once you dig into that other person, you find out they feel unorganized and they have a lot to learn, just know, too, that's your boss. That's the business that you're working for. You know, a lot of times there's uncertainty and we never feel it as employees. Mm-hmm. So as a business owner, yeah, it's scary because you're in charge of your own destiny. Well, at a job, and like I said, and like you said in the beginning, we don't demonize it. We're just at a place where, you know, we moved from a job to business. And so. And we get good. a lot of people asking us how to yes. do that. That's yeah. kind and of where this comes the from. The whole idea with this is to help people start a small business. So, yeah. um, so we're going to be biased towards business. In that job, you don't know what's going on in the background. So when we go, we might not have a business tomorrow. You might not have a job tomorrow. And that's just how it is. Yep. Even in what looks like the best industries out there, you know, look at banking in 2008. Man, they were raking it in. People mm-hmm. were so excited. The next day, no job. Um, I know a, a, a guy, super great guy, was doing um, some tech stuff for a company out of Utah, and they had layoffs because the business just wasn't growing, but it looked like a business that was just going to keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, he's part of the layoffs. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be prepared for that kind of thing and know, hey, you know what? That didn't work out. It's okay. I can go start my own thing. Yeah. Be in charge of your own destiny. Yeah. And even, you know, even injury. You yeah. could, you could oh, throw yeah. your back out and not be able to lift the cot into the ambulance anymore. Yeah. Or, you know, there's just so many things that we, we can't see. Yeah. And there's just as much risk. We've talked about risk before on a podcast. 
there's just as much risk in a job not working out as there is a business not working out. Yeah. We just seem to hear about the business failures more. Or oh, something. absolutely. It's, it's, it's kind of silly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, so this, uh, the, uh, the bottle yeah, It's just guy. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I was thinking through this too, I actually listened to it twice. Yeah. And I'm going, okay. This guy made so he started out, you know, he keeps progressing. Started out in like his garage or something, um, which is there again. Everybody, you know, a lot of times when we look at businesses, it's like, oh, well, I don't have a fancy office and a fancy building or money to afford that to start a business. That business didn't start in the fancy office, exactly. That business started in the guy's spare bedroom, yeah, in the garage, in whatever it is. That's where that business started, you know, yeah. Um, and so that's what he did too. He started, you know, and he uh, just started growing it. Within six months, he was doing like seven seventy five hundred a month, which is crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. And then a year later, he was doing I think like eighty grand a month. <laughs> that's so cool. With bottle openers, like, yeah. and to me, that's the biggest takeaway I think from the story is he started a business making bottle openers. Yeah. So anybody that wants to start any kind of business, like we've said all along. Like, there's a niche out there for anybody. Absolutely. If you are, you know, obviously this guy's passionate about bottle openers. Yeah, he probably just likes a good beer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's it, you know. Yeah. And, like, the numbers that he's saying that, it, that his business has grown to is, like, I don't even, I'm like, okay, how can you do $5 million a year in bottle openers? Yeah. A $20 bottle opener. Yeah. You know, but there's obviously... There's markets out there that we don't even know exist, Yep. you know, or, or can fathom. And it's just finding the person that's got the right creativity and the right view and kind of to, to make that happen. Yeah. And that bottle opener is their first sale. So they go, hey, I want that bottle opener. It's really cool. It's a 50 cal. Well, then they're on a mailing list. And he goes, hey, we got T-shirts now. I'm like, mm-hmm. sweet, I've got to get it. I don't know if this is the real story, but I would imagine it is. Yeah, they got because, a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, and then they go, you know, hey, throw stickers out in all those orders because stickers are cheap. Well, then all of a sudden it's branded somewhere and someone's wearing a T-shirt and they've got bottle openers with a 50 cal. Well, now they've got keychains with a 5.56. Five, and you know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But just it's from exactly a branding standpoint, you started off with a bottle opener and now you're a multi-million dollar brand. You're a brand. You're not a product. Yep. And that's the key to all of this is if, you know, you go out and you start selling ice cream. Well, every, anyone can sell ice cream, but are you putting the peach ring on the top? Yeah. You know, are you are you changing just a little bit to get people excited and add that little bit extra value? Are you looking at it from a branding standpoint and building an entire company? That's, that's where we need to be looking. Yeah. That's exciting because yeah. you can do it with anything. Yeah, anything, anything. So yeah. think about, because we, you know, a couple episodes ago, we walked through kind of a niche market idea. So think about how niche this is. Okay. It doesn't get more niche. <laughs> yeah. So who are we? This is primarily going to be marketed towards guys. Yeah. Okay. So guys that like bullets. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking military, law enforcement, that kind of stuff, you know, firefighters, mm-hmm. even, you know, re- guys that like to hunt or whatever yeah okay and then you know and then you're even niching it down more into 
different sizes of them or yeah. different, you know, it's, it's if you it's, say 50 cal to an average person at whole foods, they're going to have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. You and I say 50 cal and we're like, sweet. That's big. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, and it probably, so think of all the people that they're excluding too, because, yes. you know, we don't want to pander to everybody in no. our business. We want to be specialized. And so most it's, it's, I mean, there is obviously some women that are buying bottle breeches. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's great. We're yeah. not, we're not, we're not sexist against women because they're not buying bottle breeches. Yeah. But by and large, that market is not there. So bottle breachers is what they're called. That's what it's called. Dude, that's awesome. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. Bottle breachers. Honestly, the women are probably buying the biggest ones. They're just like, they're flexing on everybody. Well, and they are, they're buying them and then they're giving them as gifts to their yeah. husbands yep. and boyfriends and whatever, you know, but they're not the ones that are actually using and consuming exactly. the product. Yep. So you've just, you've just wiped out 50%, you know, you've, you've just taken away 50% of the market if you're trying to appeal to everybody. Well then, you know that kind of person that's looking for something that's a bullet you know there's some some guys that aren't going to touch anything something that looks like a bullet are you you know are you then turning away another 30 or 40 percent of the guy population i hope it's not that big but But today it probably is yeah (laughs) so then so then you know and then even guys that are okay with bullets and like that kind of stuff there's probably 10 or 20% that, you know, I'd never heard of them. So I'm not, yeah. it's not a market that I'm way into. So then you get down to it and you're like, man, they're probably just marketing to 20 or 30% of the population. If that, Honestly, probably yeah, if less, that. probably yep. like five or 10, Yep. you know, it's, and so, and, and it's a multi-million dollar business. But what makes that possible is now he knows exactly who to market to. Yeah. If you have let's say just a spatula good luck marketing a spatula mm-hmm. who, who do you market it to but bottle breachers you know exactly who who to market that to yeah that's the key right there yeah. that is the key uh there's a book called 12 months to a million dollars and he's it's a good book and he talks about who, who are you even selling to find out who then build your product yeah for me if i were to build something it is essentially to myself because I know what I buy and when I buy it and why I buy it. So it's really easy to say, okay, well, market to myself. Okay, now what products? You know, figure that out. Well, this guy, in a roundabout way, he might have not consciously been thinking, who's my market? Well, his market's him. Well, and he kind of talks about that a little bit because he, like, built a couple of them and then took them into work. Oh, And everybody's like, dude, that is freaking sweet. I want five of them for all my buddies, you know? And like, and you know, so he kind of, he did, he, That's he awesome. built, but it was just the guy, it, he was exactly marketing to himself because that's who he was hanging around yeah. and showing it off to. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's just, there's so many lessons in that story. I love it. Yeah. That's he, cool. I like what you just said too, about who you're hanging around. You know, a lot of people are like, well, what business, what business? And they're asking around, well, I don't know. What do you love? You figure that out. This guy probably loves all the different types of bullets and all the different types of beers. Yeah. Well, now all of a sudden, you mix those together. Yeah. It's passion. Well, or they're complaining about not having something. True. Like the 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 Rexburg page. Yeah. How people get on there and oh, complain dude. about like, there isn't uh, such and such ice cream stand. And it's like, start one. I know. I rarely <laughs> comment on anything, but a lot of times on those ones, I go, 
This sounds like a great opportunity for you to open one. Yeah. Oh, well, I can't. I, oh, I, there yeah. we go. Yeah, I don't yeah. have the money for that. Yeah, the same excuse that we've all had, that we've all been through, that we've all thought about. No, you want it. Go out and start it. Yeah. Yeah. And and people don't realize when they're complaining, they're giving themselves an idea. Like, <laughs> think about true. what you're complaining about and then solve that problem because yeah. you're probably not the only one that wants that. I wish this existed. Oh, do you now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm, sounds like a great market. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, so it's... Anyway, um, I think the the other big takeaway I had from, from that um, story, which I can relate to as well um, in all of our businesses, was he decided he was going to go on Shark Tank. Yeah. And so he went on and pitched it onto Shark Tank. And they he said, like, at the time, they were... Um, making like 135 bottle breachers a day. Yeah, and they went on and, and pitched it to Shark Tank, which there again, there's a lesson in that that you got to any kind of opportunity that you can find, take advantage of it. You know, yeah. if it's pitching at a conference or pitching at Shark Tank or whatever, like find ways for you to get exposure and to and to go out and and pitch your product. But he, so they were building like 135 of these bottle breachers a day. The Shark Tank episode airs, which there's kind of a whole story behind all of that. But the next day they wake up and there's like orders for 60,000 bottle breachers. Oh my goodness. And and like their website crashed and they like were redirecting people to Etsy and all of this stuff. And, uh. So he said it was just a just a nightmare. Yeah, you know, people were getting pissed off. People were like, I think one of his investors was Mark Cuban. So people were finding Mark Cuban's email and like, like emailing him and being like, "Dude, this company's a piece of crap. I can't believe that you would back this company." So then Mark Cuban's emailing him like, "You got to get this stuff going." And and he's like, "But we just had to keep moving yeah. forward and figure it out." And and. Uh, you know, it, it took a long, you know, and that's, that's, I feel like that's common in business. There's going to be problems that come up like that and you can't just quit. Yeah. You got to just figure out how to make it work, even though it's stressful at the time and you just keep moving forward, you yeah. know, and, and it's a progression. You, you get there and you learn, you know, we'll hire uh, new people. And, and in the beginning, things are just such a, some things can be such a big deal. They're like, Oh, there's this. And I hear it. And I'm like, well, that's not a big deal at all. Yeah. And I was, the last few days have been building into this podcast room a little bit and, and there have been a few little issues and they pop up and they're really big deals to the people who just started, which are all amazing people, by the way. Yeah. Um, they're really big deals to them. And I'm like, you know, that's actually not that big of a deal. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about it that much. This is going to work out. I promise. Everything's good. Yeah. And it will, it will work out. You just have to be aware of a problem and then just start working towards fixing it. And that right there, it sums up everything in all of our lives. You know, you're having trouble with money. Okay. Well, now you know the problem. Now work towards fixing it. It'll probably be fixed. Having trouble in a relationship. Well, you know the problem. Now you can start working towards fixing it. Yep. That's it. Same yeah. in you know business, everything. And problems just get bigger. Yeah, you know, exactly. We, we solve yeah. one thing that was a big deal at the time and then we move on well things of that level aren't that big of a deal anymore and so you know we just we grow into that you know looking back five years the problems that i was worried about five years ago are pretty silly now 
you know and so even like this and it's this example in his business you know where they had all these orders that they couldn't fill well the next time that that happens he probably is like oh it's not a big deal we'll buy some more equipment and whatever and and you just move forward you know and and it's not that that big of a deal so i mean it, it was it it's cool. That is cool. And you're, you're definitely going to have customers that uh, are going to get mad at things. Uh, I ordered a shirt a few months ago, and a couple months after, I was like, that's weird. I haven't seen that shirt. But I didn't care. Like, that's just kind of who I am. I'm, I just don't really care about that stuff. Well, then I finally get the, the shirt in the mail, and there's a handwritten note. I am so sorry that this took us so long. We ran out of these shirts really quickly, blah, 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 signed. Like, they took time to sign that for one shirt. I'm buying from them again. Yeah. Like, they really care about their customer, or they really care about making up for the huge mistake Mm -hmm. of selling shirts that they never even had. I don't care. Well, and they they just created value. They just for made, sure. They just made you even more of a customer than oh, if yeah. you would have just got the shirt on time. Yeah. We can use problems to our advantage. Absolutely. And and how we, I mean, business is pretty run of the mill when you do what people expect. Yeah. You know, you kind of get run of the mill results. You know, oh yeah, I bought that. Da da da. When there's a problem and you 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 rise to that occasion and you fix it in a manner that goes above and beyond, people are like. Just like you said, I am doing business with them again. Yeah. You know, it's, it sticks out in their mind. The, a great book on that subject is How to Win Friends and Influence People. It works for personal relationships. It works for business. My wife is so good at it. Someone will call. <clears throat> they're like, hey, I'm so mad about this. And she goes, oh, I would be so mad about that too. <laughs> I'd be, I would be furious. And they're like, well, I mean, I'm not that mad. No, no, but you should be. We messed up. Like, we we really messed up on this. Uh, you should be mad. You know what? Let me do this for you. She just de-escalated the whole situation and That's awesome. turned them into more of a customer. Hey, we did mess up. And, and owning it. You know, hey, we did mess up. I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you're mad because I might be mad too in that same situation. Yeah. All of a sudden, that person's like, oh, I'm talking to real people. I'm talking to people who understand I might even be friends with that kind of person in the future. Huh, I guess we'll go back. That's cool. Or you could just shut them down, and then they're going to go talk to a lot of people and tell them how bad you did. Yeah. If uh, in uh, kind of a rule in business is if there's a happy customer, they're going to go tell someone. If there's an unhappy customer, they're going to go tell everyone. Yeah. Well, and you feel better yourself coming out coming out of that situation and, and effectively, you know, like – it builds some confidence. Yeah. You come away from somebody that's just fighting mad maybe or whatever, and you turn them around and make them even buy into your business more. How cool is that? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And we can we can inwardly look. Like, what happens when someone cuts you off in traffic? You know? <laughs> we can kind of see how we're going to react in those situations. Someone tells you that you have a crappy business, and you're like, how am I going to react to that? Well, I don't know. Get cut off in traffic and see how you react to that person. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're on their way to the hospital. Maybe they have a baby in the car that's sick. Who knows? It's awesome. It's fun. Like this business yeah. stuff, there's kind of a reason why we're doing this. It gets us excited and hyped because you can change You can change generations. For sure. You can do everything. You can do anything and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. One other thing that he talked about in here was... Uh, they got to a point to where they they needed some new equipment 
for their business. And so, um, you know, and this goes right into another principle that we talk about with, with cash calf all the time, but he, they had, he had kind of a savings account that he'd got, but he's like, I don't, I just really don't feel good about that. You know, that's kind of my family savings account and backup, whatever. And so he decided, I think he needed to, well, this was a different point, but he, or a different time, but he, I think he was going to buy a laser engraver or something so he could brand all of his products. And he decided to buy his or to sell his motorcycle. Yeah. And he's like, you know, that was such a huge sacrifice because, you know, he's living at San Diego at the time and all this stuff. And he's like, it's the best place in the world to, to ride a motorcycle. But he ended up selling his motorcycle and sacrificing that to be able to buy the equipment he needed so he could laser engrave it. And That's how awesome. that, that, you know, even that he could see a result in his business. Um, you know, and so just thinking about that sacrifice thing yep. too. Like none of this is easy. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's some discomfort and some learning and maybe some things that you have to sell or some things you have to give up in order to do it. But, you know, sacrificing short-term things to have long-term success yeah. is is uh, is always worth it, I think. And who's going to succeed? The guy who believes in himself enough to sell a motorcycle to fund a business or the guy who's like... Uh, I might never get that motorcycle back. Yeah. I'm going to bet on the first guy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, and we've, I've, I've had tons of examples, you know, yeah. all, all along in our businesses where, you know, we, we've had to sacrifice some things and, and give up some things so that we can start things down the road. And so I think that that's an important perspective to look at as well is, you know, what, what do I need to be able to live and survive and then yeah. you know if you're if you're trying to figure out how to get money for a business or you're trying to figure out you know some some time where you can fit this stuff in is just knowing that it does take sacrifice it's not something that's easily stepped into yeah you know and 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 it's more valuable when it's there's sacrifice there too you we appreciate it more for so, sure yeah you know. uh, i mean people can look into the law of sacrifice i mean there's some natural law i don't know how all these natural laws work and exist but um well maybe i know how they exist i'm pretty sure <laughs> but you know how they work um it's really interesting just how sacrificing something can bring you more yeah you know it's the same with giving there's some natural law that if you give you get back in equal to or more than you've given might not be monetary, but you're going to get it back somehow, some way. It's just cool. Yeah. And then once you're in that position where you can, you know, make it happen. It might be an uncomfortable situation like you just said. But doesn't mean it's not going to be better in the future. Yeah. Like I had a motorcycle and maybe he'll never get it back. Or now he can buy any motorcycle he wants. Yep. And as many as he wants. Yep. And probably have more time to ride it than he had before. Exactly. You know, um, yeah, I mean, just, and and faith. I think faith, if there's one theme that I've always felt through all of our business stuff is faith. Yeah. Um, you know, and he talks about that too. They actually had a, I think it was after the Shark Tank thing, they had to, in order to ramp that up, they had to spend like all of their money to get more equipment, like all, yeah. the, all the money they had. <laughs> and, it, and he like specifically says his wife came to him and was like, if we don't make this work, we won't make payroll. Yeah. You know, and, and they just had to, you know, there again, he was a pretty well-developed business at that time, but you still get in spots where you have to make tough decisions 
and decisions that take faith, you know, yeah. and, and just kind of move forward with it. So, That's so I don't cool. know. It was good. I, I just thought that it was the epitome of what cash calf is yeah. and that philosophy, you know, where we, we encourage people to have an idea, add value to that idea, add value to people, have faith along the way, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just, just believe in a better future and, and making it work for, for yourself and, and being free and sovereign and doing those things, you know, making your own choices. And yeah. anyway, it was yeah. cool. I really I, liked the story and, and, it, and I think it went right along with what we're doing. I like that. I'll go listen to it. So you said it's episode 320? Three, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I'll go listen to it. Um, so yeah, people should listen to that and read how to win friends. Yeah, you're 320. Right. 320. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, this is great. I appreciate cool. the talk today. Yeah, it was good. So people can uh, they can get some gold and some silver, some cryptocurrency. That's right. They can um, go listen to that podcast, and then just know that everything's possible. If if someone can sell a turn a bottle opener into a multi million dollar business, you can do probably any business that you. Yeah, do. I love it. Yeah, it's so cool. It is cool. So. Hey, great room on a great, great work on this room. By the way, thanks. This is awesome. Yeah, it was, I love uh, it. It just it got hot in here sometimes, so we had to do that, and then I yeah, just played a little bit. And, well, it, yeah, it looks great. I mean, it's to have cool. Tommy Boy in the background, it's important, and then that Greg Overton uh, Indian art yeah. will be over there, and we That'll can change sweet. it up. We can make people think that we're in different places at different times, even though go. this room is uh, nine by nine. Yeah, I so. think it's awesome. It looks great. Good job. Thanks. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for today, and uh, we'll we'll chat soon. Okay, sounds good.